Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week, we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Catwoman, directed by B. Toff, Ghost Rider by Mark Stephen Johnson, Green Lantern by Martin Campbell, Fantastic Four, the 2015 version, directed by Josh Trank and Stephen E. Rifkin, and we have newly released Morbius, directed by Daniel Espinoza. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Thomas Rucker, how's it going? That's going all right. It's going all right. How was your uh, week of movies, man? Week was well. Uh, <laughs> we're participating in what you love most. Is I filling love it. Out the lows. I love filling out the low ends. <laughs> I mean, this could be a mini special in itself and be right, just a right. bad, bad superhero yeah. week. Yeah, had a uh, had a reverse philosophy from the Lost City episode. Lost City episode. I was trying to bring up and watch other movies. You know, kind of bring and raise it all up to together for this uh i was not looking forward to morbius so it was a deep dive i figured let's dive even deeper into the the true depths of how bad a superhero movie could be i'll say for folks at home this is a random selection any kind of marvel dc fan war they, yeah. i i do not participate you were really just looking for bad yeah superhero movie absolutely and these, uh, and these... it... <laughs> Just some stinkers, I hope. Yeah. I can't wait to see these scores. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it is it is unreal. I, I would say there was some odd satisfaction this week in, in, in watching these movies this way. How so? I mean, these are some mad movies. <laughs> these are so some... bad it's good? Or... No, no. Okay. Uh, but like so bad it's like it makes you understand what is truly bad. Uh, and oh, okay. What, yeah, yeah, what yeah. is like, uh, you know, unsalvageable uh, as far as a <laughs> film. So there was a an odd exploration of that. So okay. uh, it, it was it was interesting at least. <laughs> I don't know if, if, it, if it was uh, enjoyable but oddly satisfying. Well, I can't wait. For, well, I think the episode is going to be enjoyable. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's start. Let's start right away. We're back in 2004. This is Holly Berry as Catwoman. This is Catwoman. And what do we have for this first wonderful movie? Oh man! Uh, directed <laughs> by a man that has one name uh, and apparently uh, quite nearly zero talent. <laughs> um, Catwoman is a product of the Spider-Man, Sam Raimi copycat era of superhero films Ah, in the early 2000s. Uh, The first Spider-Man was something that created a lot of waves, and and this was definitely a... uh, Copycat is really the word. I think it it establishes a tone this week uh, for the movies we're covering for folks at home. Um, Very simply, uh, a, a 
common criticism that we have with these movies is that there is a lot of copycat aspects to it. Uh, nearly all these films are origin stories, the cliche of the superhero origin. Right. There's a lot of retreaded plot points, a lot of retreaded, um, uh, you know, as far as the conflict in the film. It is all trying to be a copycat of what came before it, and a lot of what that tone is is the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, yeah. which were huge. And those ended in 2003, I think? Or maybe uh, the last one came out in 2004, the third one. I think maybe a little bit later. Oh, okay. I'm not too sure, though. But the point was that these were really... Trendsetters. Yeah, because it yeah. was before... Not that we didn't have superhero movies mm-hmm. before. I think we had Batman and everything like that with Michael mm-hmm. Keaton and... But, but not like a modern superhero movie. No. A that, lot of that, people credit uh, the X-Men films being the first modern uh, superhero movies, but I think Spider-Man really I think they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Yeah, that Hugh Jackman absolutely. first Spider-Man, I mean, uh, Hugh Jackman first X-Men, mm-hmm. and yeah, Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Those mm-hmm. definitely set things off. I, yeah. I mean, they're really what set off the whole the Marvel explosion. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, up until then, we had like TV movies and, and you know, very Yeah, there was, it was something special you know. back then. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, especially for this Catwoman in 2004, and even probably with a little bit of Green Lantern, which is 2007, which is kind of before the Marvel really popped off. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, again, well, Catwoman is DC. Uh, I, yeah. I think it was more so just everyone with these... With these uh, these properties, the studios, they're just trying to make something out of it. They saw the money being made, yeah. and they say, hey, we got one of those. Well, that's why we have two Hulks. <laughs> we have two Hulks oh, made. Oh, for sure. For before sure. we actually get the Marvel Hulk Absolutely. that they decided. But that first Hulk, uh, directed by Ang Lee, was a big contender for this list, uh, and uh, I was very close to watching it. <laughs> but, you know. Well, we if gotta... you think about it, if you, if you go off of bad superhero movies, you just look in the past 22 years, yeah. there's plenty there. Absolutely. This is be a multi-special, you yeah, know, a, a multi-episode. And, and I think what combines the, or compounds that uh, is that these these movies are generic, predictable uh, in the first place, and then to have copycats and less effective copycats yeah. of that, you know, that's really where some of these very very low performing movies uh, are going to be coming from. Why don't we get started <laughs> yes. with Catwoman? Um, I'm really going to have to tackle this in twos because folks at home, there is a colossal amount bad with this film. <laughs> uh, let's start with the character itself. Uh, this has no connection to Batman. Uh, it is not in Gotham City. And the character is honestly written downright insulting with the female tropes of the film. Uh, this is uh, Catwoman working in the makeup industry. The character is uh, brain-dead stupid at the beginning until she is given her powers, and it feels wow. very odd that we we would cast the character in such a way. This is not Selina Kyle. The character of Catwoman in this is named uh, Patience. Uh, wait, Patience Phillips? Which is <laughs> just, just like <laughs> such a weaker name to begin with, I mean, as far as like your writing there. But, uh, Patience Phillips. Patience. Phillips, yeah. I mean, not that Selena Kyle is like is amazingly impressive, but like, yeah, no, no cool, no cool appeal, no sex appeal. You know, it is rough. Uh, while there is creative differences or creative distance between these two characters, it is it does not result in a likable Catwoman here. Uh, I don't mind when comic book movies take creative differences. 
or try to improv uh, or improvise on the ideas of what they're presenting. Uh, well, I mean, I'll probably have to return to it many times, but Spider-Man does not shoot webs out of his body, you know? <laughs> That's right, not right. how it's, it's done. So yeah. I have no problem with films maybe taking a a little bit of a of a creative uh, direction and yeah, the, creating more palatable for audiences they're their own know? property on their own right exactly. the film itself yeah Exactly. Uh, so, but not done well. Not done well. Uh, Halle Berry is idiotic, yeah. plain and simple. Uh, it is just uh, she is just wholly unlikable in this. Her power doesn't feel deserved at all. For some reason, in this era, they feel like they have to tie the power into some sort of spirit or some sort of larger picture. Like she can't just be a cat burglar <laughs> or anything like that on the side. Even if right, you want right. to put her in like the makeup industry and whatnot. What's very odd is, like, it's tied to this, like, Egyptian cat spirit that possesses her, <laughs> and now she has, like, reflexes, and it's terrible. It, it is it is really god-awful. Uh, and again, I, I can't stress enough, I, you know, if maybe some aspects of this origin were done a little bit more uniquely, uh, creatively, as far as the execution or the follow-through... I might accept it, but wow, it's just it just knows on almost yeah. every aspect of it. <clears throat> Story development was not good and the writing wasn't good and the acting wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not good character either. And not good characters, and it's just very tough to get behind this character. Uh, even even if you say, "Hey, this is a, you know, this is a superhero movie or or an antihero movie for females specifically," again, I think even in two thousand four when this came out, it is insulting you can't get behind yeah. this character they're that dumb you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's real rough and, and i was it doesn't take place in gotham does it take place in new nope. york city what's the deal i i honestly i can't remember the specific <laughs> city name i don't know if it's ever mentioned but okay. there is there is a lot done to create a separation from Gotham. I think they they probably knew that this was not going to fly in whatever, you know, pre-Nolan right, Batman, right. you know, this is, this is a lot. Uh, the literal interpretation of Cat attributes to her powers is plain stupid. Uh, she has a, a fear of rain, a, a love of milk. <laughs> Like what? Like why? Why? Uh, and there's just nothing remotely creative. It almost plays into like just like a cartoon version of a cat. It's just like it's bad. I, I, I it's mind boggling. Uh, combine this with some of the most laughable lines ever written in in a screenplay to <laughs> attempt to try to make her badass, and you have the spoiled mess that is the acting and the writing mm -hmm. of this character. It is really un truly unreal. <laughs> uh, she will turn around and try to say something badass and it I mean it whew. It's laughable. Oh my god! It's, it's, it's just, it cringeworthy. It, well, not, it's no, not it's, cringe. It is is gut laughter that <laughs> they got out of me. I was I was honestly in disbelief of how this bad this movie was. Even more horrific is the CGI, uh, an mm. early CGI of uh, how the action looks in this film. The CGI is presented at a little bit of a higher frame rate, possibly. <laughs> 
if they they wanted kind of a smoothness or or fluidity to it, but it it makes you spot it instantaneously because it sticks out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Much like any kind of higher frame rate experiments happen in film. Of course, Hobbit is a perfect example of yeah. something that we both know. Yeah, Halley is also uh, swapped in completely out uh, in many sequences, which makes them even more jarring. Uh, she's swapped out for a completely CGI character, which just looks terrible because it's 2004. Really? And her interacting in, in, in an action capacity even has less weight because then you have even worse actors in extras <laughs> trying to react to clearly something that, that I don't think even was modeled out or, or, or had, had an approximation for it in, in, in them shooting this film. The action really compounds here with this CGI though. Uh, a classic use of CGI is her wall running. Uh, she has cat powers, oh. so she runs, runs on, on the wall. walls, of course. Uh, right, right. right. <laughs> As you would assume. Right, of course, of course. It it's just tr- it truly fails because of the logic and the choreography in these scenes. There is such a terrible rhythm to these fights that it really might be the worst thing that the film has going for it. Uh, there is a bank uh, robbery scene uh-huh. uh, that she, that Catwoman is for some reason trying to stop. You know what I mean? Uh, again, I, I could go on and on about the characterization of, of this character <laughs> and just like the fundamental misunderstanding. <laughs> but she's trying to stop this bank uh, bank robbery scene and – the the thugs they're shooting shotguns at her dust settles and she just appears behind them like there's no logic ah. to the fight sequence she's running around on walls it's terrible she's constantly her 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 key move is like her just popping up behind someone <laughs> but it's not even like she's dropping down from the ceiling like she pops up from like knee height behind them She's not a ninja. She's right. a cat. I don't... Ooh, ooh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Folks at home, if you are ever... If you ever feel confused over... Uh, not even my own, but a criticism of a fight scene, uh, honestly, watch some of the sequences. Don't watch this movie, but watch some of the sequences <laughs> of this film, and you will know why a fight scene wouldn't stick. Uh, there is a lack of logic. There is a lack of stakes. That connective tissue that that sells the fantasy for us at home. Yeah, it, 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 it's just not. It's just there. not there. It's not there. And again, you know, I mean, it's just she's just showing up behind people. She's just popping out behind people. It's just <laughs> it's just terrible. Soundtrack is really oh. really bad. <laughs> oh my god. Oh like wow like un, un unreal bad uh it is like a awful 2000s r&b it's uh, it's almost as if they hired a Christina Aguilera impersonator and then gave her no lyrics ah, uh, okay. it's very like ooh ah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it there's no lyrics there's it's it's weird it's very odd i i just i just i just don't know what they were thinking with it uh the pacing I mean, again, I'm just getting started here with this. It is all over the map. Mind-boggling what this film decides to spend its time on. It really is, I would say, well over half a, a early 2000s rom-com. Um, oh, there is they a, spent a lot on the love story. Oh, yeah, there is a lot. And, and maybe this plays as well into some of my criticism of that there's almost insulting female aspects to this. Right, right. The amount of time that is put on this detective character in the film, 
to give Catwoman. Is this Benjamin Bratt? I think this so. This is Tom Tom Lone. The Tom Lone. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, Oddly enough, that name stuck out much more than Patience <laughs> Phillips. <laughs> um, but ju- the amount of time that is spotlighted on this uh, this terrible romance and this awkward kind of meet cute between. Halle Berry and, and and this detective character, it's too much. All of this culminates in, if you know this film, you know what I'm going to say. It, it There is a terribly bad <laughs> basketball scene. Is that, it really? Oh, my God. It is the basketball scenes from anyone's what? nightmare, from my nightmares. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> What is it about? We should do. I think we should do a special compilation on, <laughs> on bad, basketball bad basketball movie scenes. It would be, it would that be one, Return to L.A. Yeah, I was going to say Escape, Escape from, from L.A. LA. Yep, and then this. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, it's just as she's right. Get, she's getting into her powers, so yeah. she's like just discovering it. There's also a dumb playfulness that Halle Berry has, probably coached her to say, "Hey, you're supposed to be a cat. Maybe you're like excited by the ball." Like, are you it serious? Is, it is terrible bad. Like it is ooh ooh it is bad. Uh <laughs> this basketball scene is honestly I wish I could say it's it's so bad it's good. I mean, it is definitely hysterical, but there is just such a such a souring it does to the movie and really spotlights like why are we spending time on this? Right, like right. why is this basketball scene, you know? Can't can't we have one sequence where she's actually stealing something or or doing anything that right. Catwoman actually does? <laughs> you know, it's oh, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Uh to get a movie though this bad, there has to be uh honestly a a critical failure in both the technical and stylistic level. Uh, stylistic level I talk about all the time, but technically this fall shames uh, this 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 shame falls on a lot of the editing and a lot of the cinematography with both are excessively bad in this. Uh, these professionals Sylvie Landra and Thierry Ar- Arbogast, they've both worked on good things. They both worked on Fifth Element. And mind-bogglingly, they both worked on Leon the Professional as well. Oh my wow! And I, when I say the editing and the cinematography might be the worst aspects of everything we've talked about so far, I really mean it. I mean, this That's is weird. where technically uh, the film is really failing in a critical capacity. Like Yikes. there is, there is some. Oh. What was the disconnect between you know collaborators on this? <laughs> Leon, the professional has like an eighty-eight. Absolutely, it's in the must-watches. Absolutely phenomenal film, and, and clearly there's some there's some team members or some professionals working together. They they've stuck together over the course of this. Uh, you can see that tied into Fifth Element. I, mm-hmm. I forget the, actually the director's name of that, but definitely echoes of of um, I believe a French film industry uh, at that time in okay. early two thousands. Uh, but wow, uh, I mean, whew. It, it is bad, and and that's that's really where my my joking critiques of this really go into a, a what is what is actually wrong with this film, and it, it lies in those technical aspects that it's I really do see as a failure. Uh, there were multiple times that I had to pause the film because I was taking notes, and I honestly just could not keep up. <laughs> With just like how many bad things. There's a club scene that there is the edits. I don't know, Tom. 
in like a five second interval, there's probably like 30 edits. There's 30 what? cuts. It's insane. I don't know how someone says, yes, this is a finished movie or yes, this, Re- is, this is a movie at all. <laughs> like, it That's is bad. so bad. Uh, shockingly bad, yeah. I think, is, is the summary here for all of this. And even though you may have a morbid curiosity, folks at home, to check this out, I assure you uh, this is not worth one ounce of your time. We are going to go ahead and give Catwoman a seven. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I knew you'd be happy with that song. <laughs> it's not every day we get a single we, digit. Oh, yeah. Woo, that's it is really, definitely not every day we get a movie this bad. That's as really approaching Jack and Jill level. Oh, for sure. This is almost worst it, it movie on the site. I was I was I was I on the edge there. I mean, because again, there's there's a, a technical failure of actual filmmaking yes, here. Yes. In addition to all stylistically that I could really just like crucify. Uh, there is there is some serious oh, failure right. here. 7%. Yes. <laughs> that might be the second worst on the site. I think so. I, I think it, it definitely I think deserves it. Something is an 8. I think Face Off is an 8 or uh, some such. Yep, yep. Um, which actually some people like that movie. But, oh, yeah. Wow, 7%. <laughs> that's fantastic. I think I think the worst escape that we did, I think it was L.A. and that was 11%. I, I think it's somewhere down there. Uh, I think one of them was 11 and one of them was 17. Oddly enough, uh, sports sequences in a non-sports movie is wow. kind of a mark, uh, kind of a trend. Oh, right. Okay, 7%. Fantastic. He's way too pumped for this. <laughs> I'm hoping it goes down from here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's all right. That's definitely enough. To, we spent way too much time on Catwoman. Seven percent for Catwoman. We're gonna move on here. So this is three years after. We're in 2007. Mm-hmm. This is the old tried and true. I mean, they mold, made multiples after this, but this is Ghost Rider. Vin, what do we what do we have here? Okay. What do we have with Nick Cage? So uh, this movie actually gave me the idea of theming this week. Um, oh, you started here? Uh, not started here, but it was it was just the inception of you know with comic uh, comic superhero movies they are plentiful, and right behind them is the edgy anti-hero comic yeah. book movie flick. Yeah. I'm talking Spawn. I'm talking Blade. I'm talking Hellboy. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, even modern day, we have Venom and Morbius right in line with that subgenre. Sure. So revisiting Ghost Rider was a was kind of what spawned all this because Ghost Rider has a has one hell of a reputation behind it. Ghost Rider tells the story of Johnny Blaze, played by none other than Nick Cage. Yes, a- sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Johnny Blaze. I love it. Uh, it's, it's a good name. It's a good name. Uh, a hotshot stuntman that makes a deal with the devil to be his eternal night of vengeance. Uh, when a group of bad boy demons come to town, the Ghost Rider is there to meet them, and Johnny is only saved from the spirit of vengeance by his love interest in Eva Mendez. Uh, don't get me wrong, there is a stupid romance in nearly all of these movies. Of and I think if anything really represents or or just the needless romance represents some of what I talk about of bullshit origin story, startup, you know, slowness, bad problems with pacing. You know, I think it, it all kind of all roads lead back to a bad romance in these films in some way. Yeah. Yeah. But why Ghost Rider is bad is just how much it is the backbone of his character. Johnny is his defining trait is that he is lifeless in his in his stunt 
stunt court or stunt rider life uh he is a he is a thrill seeker but is not thrilled by any of what hmm. he does the romance between him and Eva Mendez are it's it's not bad it actually holds some of the more legitimately funny comedic moments <laughs> but it's just so odd that he has nothing to his character before this moment of reconnecting with her nick cage is a unreal force of manic energy <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, he is wrote to like jelly beans and laughs uh, outrageously at TV. Also, a self-described really? <laughs> self-described uh, lover of too much TV. He says, "I watch too much TV," and this is just, <laughs> it's like what? I don't know. I I honestly can't fact check if this is a trait of Ghost Rider. I don't think it is, but, like, why is... <laughs> like, is Nick Cage just doing this on his own? Like, did they write this for him? I, I do think if there is going to be a movie that, uh, out of this week that dips into a so-bad-it's-good mm. uh, type of area, Nick Cage is the key here because there is... I wouldn't really call it second act, but we'll call it, you know first half uh the manic energy that nick brings is legitimately funny and it's is played for comedic effect you know? okay okay i i really do think it, it works in ways i mean there has uh, to be something there just because they do make ghost rider two and three yeah mm-hmm. not a fourth one I don't no i don't know did they make a third one i swear there was a third one but maybe not i'll have to look into it but there's at least a second one yes yes again if we're all like okay we all get that this is bad mm-hmm there has to be that some type of redeeming thing. Yeah, and if it's, it's so bad that it's good or it's so bad that it's purposely trying to be bad mm-hmm. and Nick Cage is trying to be Nick Cage, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I can I can see how that comes off as, as enjoyable. The concept of so bad it's good, I think it's kind of, if you would imagine it almost on a on a circle, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, a snake eating its own tail or so to speak, it, it's going to come back around at a certain point that if a film's so bad there is genuine enjoyment to it, Nick Cage is the key to that yeah. here and, and with his comedy and, and maybe a little into that hairbrain writing you know to again he says he watches too much tv he eats only oh i'm sorry he eats only yellow and red jelly beans specifically littered around his entire house flames yeah (laughs) he's not ghost rider yet though i mean he's kind of he's kind of going into the branding a little too hard oh my gosh he also reads like transcendentalist uh, like scripture and it's it's just very odd it is it is very odd I honestly don't know why the writing would put these in. I don't know if they're deep cuts to it, but uh, I would say uh, I'm largely at a loss for words for how much surprisingly works in this film, and almost every point that works, there is something bad to meet it. Uh, Mm. I would say, let me rapid fire some of these. On the good side, we got Nick Cage, special effects, not CGI. Not CGI specific, like the practical effects, exactly. pyrotechnics a little bit. There's a a very good shot where he is walking with his boots, okay. and there is just flames rising from the boots. Looks that pretty was clearly done with like a kerosene or some sort of practical. Oh, effect. Oh, looks good. Absolutely cool. All right, get down with that. Uh, the comedic aspects again, uh, like it or <laughs> like it or not, this movie is funny and like holds up to be funny. I think as well, some credit goes to Eva Mendes comedically because she has a kind of a, almost a hitch energy to it. Like she she's in oh, her that's element cool. that's fun. in this kind of comedic way. So. That's fun. Uh, or at least, you know, kind of rom-com way. I would say there's some cool villains, uh, the bad boy demons, the devil himself. Uh, primarily, uh, Peter Fonda is playing, uh, maybe not the devil, but like Mephisto ah. or something like that. Yes, which yes. Is 
Devil in Marvel uh, Marvel Universe. Um, and I also think there's some decent pacing. This movie really moves on uh, along at a clip, and it's not going to be bad pacing in the way that I will talk about in the movies we have to come. <laughs> there is there is a decent aspect here that the movie's just not wasting your time too much, you know, especially when it comes okay. to him progressing as Ghost Rider. I mean, we are like, day is romance, night is Ghost Rider. Day is romance, night is Ghost Rider. Okay. By day three, we're at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? It's not wasting a single moment. Uh, and I think that's decent pacing. Yeah, that's pretty good. On the bad side... Uh, Nick Cage, uh, equally, <laughs> you know, what I mean, it, it's it's Absolutely. a it's a force of good, but it is also an equal <laughs> so force to meet it. I would say most of the acting here, beyond Nick Cage and some of the main actors, I would say, unfortunately, the 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 squad of bad boy demons that are our antagonists here, really, it's it's some really cringe acting and writing. The romance itself, I do not think is good. Uh, the writing is once again, it falls into this generic origin story. I would I would not be Vincent Daly if I did not crucify the soundtrack here. This soundtrack is just playing, uh, you know, rock blues, you know, uh, bad to the bone, you know, just like the, the who's who, the, the you know, yeah, it's just the most yeah. gen- generic, generic, and exactly, yeah, you yeah, know, like if. if <laughs> If you had a gun to your head and you had to say, "Oh, what's what's going to play in a biker bar?" Like that's this that's this soundtrack. I would say most critical here uh, is just weak action. I would say the real Achilles' heel here is how just cheap the action mm. feels. Ghost Rider has nearly every set piece end in a one hit kill. There is maybe a. Uh, slight lethality that you know ghost rider is really like an unstoppable force that is communicated here but it feels vapid uh even in the mm-hmm. in the biggest moments that we're facing off against the big demon bad guys it really just boils down to ghost rider taking some hits and then still just it's a one hit kill uh and it's just it it really feels weak empty vapid you know i i could yeah I give could us some go good act give us a good some fight sequence basically exactly it's too it's too there and it's done exactly yeah yeah and 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 I did not, of all things, expect this to come from how rule of cool this movie is trying to be. Mm-hmm. You'd think the director and the team behind it says, "Hey, we're putting you know special effects budget into his boot print." Right. I don't know why there isn't some love into the action set Honestly, pieces or using his powers creatively or anything like going that. Going into it, I would just assume, oh, we're going to get some cheesy, bad fight sequences here. Mm-hmm. That's what you would think. Yeah. It, it just it resolves the conflict way too easy. Yeah, maybe I'm on the outlier of, of I don't know, I don't thinking think so. that it would be I mean, something notable. It wouldn't be but, good, probably. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird that they're quick. It's weird that they're snappy, yeah. especially because, you know, I mean, it's kind of what you sign up for when exactly. you watch a movie like this. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an action movie. It's yeah, a yeah, yeah. action movie. So if the action is failing, then, again, that that is as, as much as a positive as the real laughs I got out of this film. Yeah. Uh, and not even laughing at it at some points. Some a, a big force to meet it is once again just, you know, something so critical as the action itself failing is is, is a pretty big problem. But uh, that was only, you know, this, this, this was uh, the only one that I even vaguely uh, had a desire to, to revisit because Ghost Rider was a very early addition to when we were starting to write down these these ah, scores yep, right, where right. we started off with. And 
I, on top of me watching these seriously enough and critically enough uh, to abide by all of my scores, mm -hmm. I really do believe that this film falls in a very perfect middle ground of just having catastrophically bad with it and chaotically good as some, well. Some enjoyment coming yeah, out of it still. There's, there's, a, there's a weird mix there. Uh, I would say... I find out you get that off to it, Nick. <laughs> If there's any actor, you know, that you have to point to so bad it's good. Yeah, yeah. And and I Ghost Rider definitely is added to his long line of potential <laughs> so bad it's good yeah, recommendations. Yeah. Uh, but more than anything, I, I found myself... I was going into this, again, with the expectation of all these other films for it to be colossally bad, and I really found myself more middle of the road than anything, okay. which was slightly a delight. Again, there was odd enjoyment in how bad this film was, and uh, there were some admirable qualities. We're going to go ahead and give Ghost Rider a 50 on the dot. Wow. I think – I want to run this by you live, too. Yes, please. Uh, do you think the 50 should be reserved for the so bad it's good? Or does that not communicate the bad side? That it's no. a primarily bad movie. Yeah, because you can so have a lot of – you can have like much, much worse movies, but yes. it's still good. And I think there's there's some of those on the site as mm -hmm. well. Now, I don't think a 50 should be that I, – I, it's funny because I think this might be the only 50 we have. Uh, it, it's, I, I think it, I don't know. I, I don't think know there's a 49 there's on there. I think a 51 or two. Mm -hmm. um, like we just had the Adam Project. That that was a 51. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But 50 itself, boy, no, I don't think that's a, it's so bad. It's good. 50 should be. You will walk away this an absolute mediocre subpar, <laughs> not good, not bad film. Yeah, you know, because when it's so bad, it's good. You know. It means it's a bad movie. Mm. It means it's a straight up a bad movie. Mm. A 50, it's like, it's not a good movie. Mm. It's not a bad movie. <laughs> and and that's Ghost Rider. And that's Ghost Rider, sure, it sounds sure. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has enough uh, conflict uh, between I, I, the two I, qualities. I think there's a good case to be made that there's some movies even in the 30s where it's it's so bad it's good. Oh, for Those sure. Those should definitely stay away from 50. And we talked 50. about The Room not too long ago, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there was the other uh, Nick Cage movie, oh, the crazy Prisoners, one. Prisoners of Ghostland. Yes. Whew. That was kind of like it's so oh, bad it's good. definitely but, so bad it's good. But, and, but also definitively bad. Right, definitively way lower than 50. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I think that's where I'm at with 50. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. What Either an interesting way, I score. I don't know why. It's 50, 50 is like it's such an interesting yeah. score to me. I don't know why. It is. It's it, one we don't touch. It, exactly. It's almost like 100s we don't touch. <laughs> right, right. Because I think it's 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 potentially an insult for to call something so mediocre. You know, it's it's directly middle of the road. But I mean, insult. Yeah, Ghost Rider is. Captain 107. talk about insults. <laughs> and a seven it deserves. <laughs> but uh, no, I think, okay, it's, yeah. I kind of love that. Okay. If anything's going to be a 50, Good. the fact that it's Ghost Rider, there's mm -hmm. something, I like that. Okay. Um, and there wasn't Ghost Rider 3. It was in the talks. Oh. It was in the talks and never happened. Um, yeah, because I remember some, uh, some seeing something on the second one, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, 50. I mean, that makes sense. They made a second one out of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're going to be re uh, rewatching it anytime soon. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe for like a Nick Cage specific kind of night. Right, right. Okay, so that's Ghost Rider with a 50%, straight 50. <laughs> We're going to move on here to Green Lantern. Mm. This is 2011 and Ryan Reynolds. And and what was this? Was this like when com comedians started getting involved a little bit more? 
Um, this was made for a purpose, and it's just like oh yeah, this yeah. was absolutely made, and I, I don't know for sure. I mean, this is this is speculation, but with how this film is trying to establish something, this was absolutely them trying to, or rather, I should say, DC, yeah, trying to get an Iron Man type of personality, uh, a hate love type of character, a fast wit character. Right, and with I, the jokes and this, yeah, which is that's why they went for Ryan Reynolds, exactly. Yeah. And there's and there's so much that is, I mean, this movie is all set up. There's there's nothing satisfying about this movie. Uh, it is 100 percent setting up the larger Green Lantern universe, uh, and the film itself is focusing on nonsense. You know, what I mean, it's yeah. just a setup film to kick off a franchise. We covered obviously. Catwoman was DC, Ghost Riders from Marvel, we're back to DC. If you told me that the director of oh my two gosh. of the best James Bond oh movies... Oh my gosh. I had no idea. We sat down, folks, to record this, and Vin was just like, just wait till you see. And I was putting the movies up, and I was just like, oh my word. Goldeneye and, and Casino, Casino Royale. Royale. I, I directed mean, by Martin Campbell, and, and so And I this. still love them. I, I, those are phenomenal movies. Yeah, damn straight. And- Casino Royale is... Yeah. A phenomenal bond and overall great movie. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and if anything, this sparked some very much interest. We may we may give Campbell <laughs> his own little little spotlight in a little bit. But I, I for him to want to tackle a DC movie, a, a DC superhero movie, I, I wouldn't believe you. Uh, even less believable is the quality of this film. I know it's not like he was trying to be like. <laughs> It's like, oh, Chris Nolan is doing doing his thing at Batman. I'm going to do oh, Green yeah. Lantern. Like, there's no this way. This is total corporate. We need to respond to Marvel establishing the universe. Because by 2011, I think Avengers 1 is out. Uh, and they see that... They definitely were... have some established. I mean, Iron yeah. Man's already taken oh, off, for and the sure. movies are in production, yeah. Yeah, we definitely still have... We, we have the the assembling pieces yeah. uh, of, yep. of Marvel's universe, which I think... Everyone doubted at the time. 2011 for DC, I think they're shaking in their boots a little bit, and they said oh, we got to take a stab at this. Oh uh, to start with, Green Lantern is just Stupid. so ridiculous. So yeah. dumb. I like Green they Lantern. They got the director. <laughs> Actually, do you right? You think you're like uh, that's that's them hedging their bet, you right? Know? Right. They're like ah, oh, well, we got this guy, you know. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> But the character of Green Lantern you like? I do. Uh, Green Lantern is a space cop, basically. Uh, the The Green Lantern light is the power of will, which is one of the more, uh, one of the most powerful forces in the universe. And the Green Lantern core is basically, I mean, not to oversimplify it, but it's like space cops. You know, they all wear a ring. They have a sector of space that they're in charge of protecting. Yeah, it's a cool premise. Yeah, and very. Very big, uh, big galactic universal scale to this. Uh, you know, what I mean, the the sectors of space that they cover are, are massive as far as who's responsible for who. So it, it's 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 odd, and I will absolutely return to it because it's the cornerstone of this uh, of my criticism with this film. It is mind-boggling that we focus on events on Earth when we're dealing with galactic threats. Yeah, you want to uh, be. <laughs> You want to be, uh, you know, planet hopping. Yeah, I want to be with the Green Lantern Corps, <laughs> not in the budding romance between Blake Lively and, and Ryan Reynolds. Which... 
I guess I guess they actually found true romance yeah, on this yeah. on this on this <laughs> film. So they really expected a Iron Man effect with this one. Ryan Reynolds plays Hal Jordan. He is a hotshot fighter uh, that is chosen by the Green Lantern Ring, which holds, again, the galactic force of the Green Lantern Light. Uh, the Green Lantern Light, his superpower, maybe not as as understood as Ghost Rider or the literal cat in Catwoman, uh, <laughs> is, is, is the idea of imagination. His willpower is able for him to, to kind of craft anything that comes to his imagination and project it through, through the ring. Uh, the film juggles the locations of Earth, which is painfully generic, yeah, and deep space, uh, or or rather the the home planet in deep space, to the Green Lantern core, which are basically again, uh, you know, a very very powerful uh, guardians of space. Uh, this film really stumbles in this way because we are maybe given, I, I mean, this is even generous, 15% of the film is... Is off-Earth. Is like off-Earth, is with the core, is with him even learning about his powers, with the people that are, <sighs> with the interesting aliens where there's an ounce of credit to design and character, you know, uh, and have creatures. You, have you put thought into this and have a team <laughs> behind it that actually cares? The premise could be amazing. Oh, for sure, for sure. How much Green Lantern's like a, a staple of, of Fantastic? Uh, not Fantastic Four. What am I saying? <laughs> Justice League as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean, this is a this is a main member. How cool would it be if they didn't spend? If this wasn't an origin story, and you went into it, and the Green Lantern was already like had his stuff. Down. Oh. Because then you don't, you, can, you don't have to waste that time. You hit the nail on the head with my problem with all these origin stories. Why do we have to so have it's a lot of wasted stories? time? I mean, yeah. well, listen, I'm okay with the introduction of a character, mm -hmm. and if you know, if if the early 2000s is going to give birth to like a trend-setting moment of of superhero movies, mm -hmm. I'm okay with learning about the characters. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just like for content-wise, mm -hmm. and if we're going to be, if you want to make a good movie and stick with the franchise, mm -hmm. obviously you want this to do well and have other Green Lanterns Absolutely. made. Sometimes it's a little bit just like, let's get into it right Absolutely. Away. And they wanted to make sequels in this. I mean, this film has a very unsatisfying ending because it's building up for the 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 real big bad guy of the Green Lantern, mm -hmm. you know, comic book history, which is which is Sinestro. Um it is unreal though. Uh I mean, if there is a stumble in understanding which of those two settings is the more interesting one, uh the real fall on its face is the CGI in this film, and there is a nauseating abundance of CGI. Yeah, yeah. When the Green Lantern power is on screen, um, man, uh, or 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 even like aliens, a part of the core are on screen. It just looks flat out bad uh it, it is it's just far too smooth it's far too clean we see this actually probably most prevalent in ryan's mask that he wears there is a mask that oh, that even looks bad it covers up his eye it, it looks the worst it doesn't even look bad it looks the worst because <laughs> they they change his eyes because it's supposed to be like a like an identity you know it's it's also very, sure you know a secret identity kind of stuff it feels like even by 2011 this is like who who really needs that in their super superhero mythos but it's like ooh, it's so bad it, it it is possibly the worst thing i've seen it makes 
Ryan look not only like a floating head because the entire suit is CGI, so uh. it's cutting off at his neck, but then not even the full real estate of his face, no less an actor's eyes yeah. is then CGI it's, as well. <laughs> it is... Oh, ooh, they should have just it's, gave it's him bad. contacts. I, I know. Uh, there is... I don't know. And and they get rid of it at a certain point in the film, but the big action sequences, it's still there, you know. He's, How bad he's was the CGI around. compared to like a new, much much newer movie which was like Justice League, which was like watching a video game at times? Mm, I would say definitely worse. Okay, okay. Yeah, definitely worse. I think it's an understanding that they don't ground any sort of realism and you can say well the same thing is true about a marvel movie i mean christ you, know, you have spider-man dressed up in a mocap suit for the entire film you know he can't even wear regular clothes now because they have to do cgi added to yeah. it yeah marvel uh, is no by no means a benchmark yeah that you're trying to hit but. but this there's there's a there's a toxic mix uh, <laughs> of, <laughs> of of bad fidelity to the cgi and bad implementation yeah. as well uh it's it's real bad and again you need an example of what I'm talking about. It's a shame because there is a lot of creative design put into the many aliens. I mean, the hundreds of alien designs mm-hmm. that is supposed to be, you know, around the universe, around the galaxy at least. One, no spotlight is given to them, and instead we're just given scenes where Ryan Reynolds is like in a waiting room, an alien waiting room, and he's just like it just looks like he's a floating head because the body it's looks so bad. It's that bad. It looks so bad. Oh man. It's just, it's just rough. <laughs> there is also once again, and and uh, you know, who am I to talk about the actual graphic fidelity or the or the technical side of this? But there is another choice for a higher frame rate in the action sequences it's, when it's he noticeable. flies. Yeah, it's it's odd. Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's a huge. Is it gap frame between... rate or is it just something weird? With the CG, like I don't know, it could be also potentially be upscaling from like an HBO Max or something like that. Uh, uh, they have streaming services have been known to mess with animation. Okay, all right, uh, and make it look smoother. I don't know though, but it it, it definitely looked worse okay. for it. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm going through my notes. It's just it's just still like wow, is the CGI bad? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's just so much. Let's talk about the, why this hurts the powers of Green Lantern. Again, the powers of Green Lantern are imagination. Uh, so when when Ryan Reynolds is spawning a Hot Wheels track for a falling mm. car, there is also a goofiness to the implementation of the design. The classic Green Lantern, you, uh, the, uh, or at least Hal Jordan Green Lantern, the classic move is he creates a minigun. Uh, you know what I mean? It could be literally ah, yeah, anything yeah. that he has uh, in his imagination projected by the ring. The choices for what they give to make this Green Lantern look cool fail completely. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just rough. Uh, again, a, we have the scene is a falling, was it a plane or, or a helicopter? I think it's a helicopter. We have a falling helicopter. He spawns green wheels on it. <laughs> <laughs> and and then it, and then he spawns an entire Hot Wheels track to go on like a a flaming nightmare trip for all the crowd to be screaming. How about you spawn? So hey Ryan, dumb. how about you spawn like some safety balloons or something? You know what I mean? Or or some big water or something like that. Oh like, my gosh! <laughs> it's just like wow. 
that, that and that's really the theme with this whole week it's just like wow it's yeah. this bad um <laughs> uh, events are ordered very poorly in the screenplay the logic of the script just does not make sense in the parts where we should be focusing on uh like i said it actually in that same sequence uh we're an hour in ryan has the green lantern's powers he has traveled across the universe to their home planet he has participated in training with multiple multiple alien species and somehow we're on a cocktail mixer on earth <laughs> what how does a script so just true. fail it's to understand so what is interesting in what it has going oh my it? gosh oh absolutely yeah you think it's just like the classic scene in star wars Star Wars meeting in the bar sure. at the cantina mm-hmm. you know what i mean just that kind of stuff you have the option of the universe in front of you <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's like a you know romance drama between a scorned lover, Blake Lively, and yeah. I don't oh know. my word! Constantly, the film is uh, then retreading the same info dumps that we already know uh, because we get the info dumps for the first time with Ryan in the alien segments. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Now we have to sit through Ryan explaining them to the uh, to the you know Earth terrestrial uh. characters and. This split fat, fat that could be trimmed, yeah, left yeah. and right, yeah. This split reminds me right on the money of what is wrong with Transformers that the the actual events of the movie are just everything we don't care about mm. as an audience. You know, what <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just it's rough. It's just very surprisingly, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just how bad, how much is unearned in this film, especially in the romance drama that is played out on Earth. Lines come off as laughable and once again just painfully generic because they're they're tied to this origin story bullshit. Uh, I was shocked when the film was finally in its final fight scene <laughs> because it just left such a waste of time and no payoff existent in in what it was going for. It was it was just it just kind of came to an end with the lovers quarrel. It's it's just insane. Do not watch this movie. We're going to go ahead and give Green Lantern an 18. Oh, my gosh. Under a 20%. 18%. Slightly more of a functional movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> At least it was. It did not have the crazy editing of Catwoman. Poor Martin Campbell. Because if you look <laughs> at sure. his movies, hey, you got some good movies in oh, there. This absolutely. is really bringing down the cred, absolutely. though, if you take the average. Absolutely. Yikes. 18% for Green Lantern. I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, really, I don't think the audience is going to be surprised. No, and the producers at all, you know. No, and, and definitely a first stumble in that DC universe. Mm. I mean, think about how many times they really tried to do this reverse Marvel. You know, I mean, I know this Marvel, was the first stumble. Yeah, of that. Marvel hit with, um, I mean, right off the bat with Iron Man exactly. and Robert Downey Jr. Exactly, and boy, oh boy, is Ryan Reynolds no Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Okay, all right. A lot of potential and falling flat, oh, yeah. as often these, uh, as For often sure. superhero movies do. Okay, so let's keep this going. We are at Fantastic Four. This is not the early 2000s one. Mm. This is the 2015 mm-hmm. Fantastic yes. Four. So many for another episode we can do. Oh, The absolutely. 2003 Hulk. Mm-hmm. The 2007 or 11 Hulk. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'll have plenty more ammunition when the next, you know, bad superhero <laughs> movie comes out. But no, this is Fantastic Four. It's 2015. And the main actor is is um, Miles Teller. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan. Yes, uh, of course. Yeah. You have... Kate Mara. Uh, yeah, from uh, House of Cards. I always known her from. Sure. So. so what do we have with this with this rendition of Fantastic Four? So I always heard horror stories about this movie that it was falling victim to studio meddling um, a la Suicide Squad or Justice League, but this really predates uh, both of those films uh, and might be the first... 
the first instance of it. Director-wise, we have Josh Trank, uh, who was a bit of a rising star back in 2015. 2012, we see Chronicle uh, being a cult hit uh, oh, for him. Oh, with him. And then again, there is the reason why we announced two directors in the beginning, mm-hmm. because there's this Stephen E. Rivkin mm-hmm. did play a part. He's uncredited. Mm. But we do. We made note of it because there is notations of it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So I don't know if that's the studio then stepping in because apparently at some point in this project he had it straight up just stripped away from him. Okay, uh, which at you know at least to the credit of other Marvel properties, even in Fox's you know uh, control over it, I think it was Fox that did this. Okay, there there at least is a you know if there's going to be a director dispute, a classic is Edgar Wright and Ant Man, the first Ant Man, which mm. thank God he didn't do. <laughs> Probably would have been a good movie. Yeah, might have been. But usually they don't let it get into production, no less finish the movie before they do the right, meddling. Right, right, okay. Um, you know, they, they have a, a little bit of a preconception of, of what what's where is it going and where do they want it to go. I think it's an important note to make with this film because there are definitely aspects that have vision behind this film. Okay. There is style, there is vision behind this film, Okay, but it comes out of total less feel because the movie just does not support it because it has basically three different movies in one. Um, it, it's, it's really a mess. Uh, the first third uh, is a fun young adult high school romp. It's focused on science, has almost like a breakfast club vibe, you know. We see the Fantastic Four being all high school age students, so they are much a younger version of the Fantastic Four. Right, um, right. Like all Fantastic Four origin stories, they are scientists first that come across these powers. You know, uh, so it, it it has almost not a Stranger Things vibe, but definitely a young star type of vibe in the beginning. Is it Power Rangey type vibes? Uh, maybe. Oh, it's been been a minute since I saw that. Bad can movie. put that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've almost wiped that out of my memory. <laughs> hey, it's on the site. Yeah, it is. But you know what I mean? That coming of age with the, with mul- yeah. multiple people. Because, it, it, I mean, so many of these stories start with high school kid gets powers. Exactly. But you have the group together. Uh, yes, yeah, yes. Getting and they're scientists first. So right, there, right. Is, there is follow through on that. And, and it's not that this young adult part is is so bad it's definitely not good you know Mm -hmm. it's definitely not funny and it's trying to be funny but by two-thirds in we have a complete 180 and it portrays their superpowers as no joke like a body horror suspense horror film oh like them coming into 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 the realization of these powers uh it is portrayed straight up like a horror film and wow, that is where that the director good. exactly, and it is good in ways. Right, you know this this middle segment is kind of interesting because it's very serious, huh? Yeah, oh, one hundred percent serious. I don't think there's a single joke in this, and I'm not saying that it has to be not jokey. But if the whole movie was that, exactly, we have a completely there would have been different superhero movie yeah. on hand. More than most, I think Josh really got the short end of the stick here with ah, this okay. studio meddling because right. they, I mean, not only is this switch in tone jarring, uh, disturbing, because yeah. it is really like, you know, body horror. It's an interesting interpretation of like, Mr. Fantastic has stretchy arms. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty terrifying the first time you're experiencing Oh my gosh, that, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, everything in between, you know, 
there there is there, it is 180 that that is really the way i would mm-hmm. describe it there is no more opposite it can get uh, than this film and then by the final third we have the film slapping together for our standard superhero coming together rah yeah, rah type yeah. of thing which is again just as jarring coming off of a near depressing type of tone with them coming into their powers and Especially when we incorporate our main villain, Doctor Doom, which is you know bound to be the the only villain we explore with the Fantastic yeah. Four. It, it again, it is portrayed to some of the most horrific levels I've ever seen a a <laughs> a superhero movie done, and it's a shame because I can't be for sh- I can't be you know one hundred percent sure if this if this part if this section was Josh Trank's vision. But it definitely does have vision behind it, and the film is impossibly messy because it because does not it. commit. Or, or it, you know, even if it, even if this was was all his product, then there is a failure in understanding of what it's that middle disconnect. portion does. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Is, so, really, is it three different movies in one? It is three different movies in one, and it is really bad. The result <laughs> is it all doesn't work. Uh, I think summarizing this really does no good, uh, but if you don't know, uh, I mean, the Fantastic Four are a group of scientists, like I said, coming into a cosmic force uh, of some sort. It's always some sort of space force, and this is kind of a dimensional thing that they're coming across, and producing four unique powers. We have Mr. Fantastic with stretchy arms, Mm -hmm. uh, Sue Storm with invisibility, Ben Grimm with uh, rock powers becomes the thing. And Johnny Storm uh, as the Human Torch. Doctor Doom, once again, is presented here. I want to give credit to some of what is done to create some, create some originality in presenting this. You know, uh, in how they get their powers, okay, and how they interact uh, with each other, and all that credit goes into that second third. We see our characters get abused by the government because. They they kind of broke the law to get these these co- to this cosmic fo- force in the first place. So they're really you know lost without a paddle. But again, it goes out the window. Anything any kind of praise I can give to the middle chunk of this film is just un- wholly unsupported uh, throughout the film. Okay, and, uh, it is just so drastically different. I would say for that beginning half, this Breakfast Club vibe does not work. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, it just, I just don't understand how we go from the literal set piece is a high school science fair, and then the next logical step is them developing interdimensional travel. I, you know, I mean, maybe some yeah, adult yeah. supervision, not for literal <laughs> high school people, you know, right, high right. school students. You know, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe ease in a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe they felt oh, they were rushing a little bit. You know, I don't know. But <laughs> despite the attempt to be lighthearted here, uh, the beginning is really just joyless and awkward. The jokes don't land. Uh, it's very, it feels committee kind of jokes. It feels very yeah. boardroom. Uh, okay. That they're trying to be, uh, try to make these characters likable. And again, it's just absolute nonsense that these four children would be put in, in, in charge of the first dimensional experiments uh, on, on, on any on any U.S. soil, the, the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. We establish a lot of time with Reed Richards, Mister Mister Fantastic, and Ben Grimm, the Thing, uh, both in that high school fair, and you know, there's maybe a, a light. I like brotherhood that comes through there. 
Uh, a lot of time is put on that relationship between Reed and Ben because they were they were friends first rather than colleagues first. Okay. Um, I think a result of putting so much one-on-one time between these two is we really don't get a lot of development with Sue Storm, who is supposed to be Reed's love interest. Yeah. Uh, and we don't get a lot of time. Yeah, you would expect her to have second... Second most screen time oh, and, sure. and script, yeah. For sure. Or at least share and be self-aware that you have to share the real estate because Sue Storm and then also Johnny Storm, Human Torch, does, they don't get a lot of time. And right. Michael B. Jordan is actually pretty enjoyable as far as his acting performance here. Okay. Uh, so it was, it was a big shame. One hour in, though, and we basically have a full reset on the film, and we are just getting our, our teens to get their powers. It's very slow going. Again, the original movies... I don't really remember loving the first two original Fantastic Four, but at least there was like excitement or at least comedy around their discovery of powers. I think why the second half is so jarring for turning into this horror tone is because we have comedic, lighthearted high schoolness, mm-hmm. and then it's just like, wow, they just all hate each other and and they're all like psychologically damaged because of the body horror that has to go through <laughs> it just it just comes off so tasteless uh it, it's just it's just really is terrible and again i can't be sure what is exactly josh's intentions here but if he has any play by the end of it the last third does not make sense either because how do we go from these horrific themes to all right, team, we got to get together and stop Dr. Doom. Right, you know, it's, right. it's way too campy then. You right, know what right. I mean? The superhero ending that, I mean, honestly, all Fantastic Four stories, I mean, it's like it's either they got to use all their powers together or they got to put one person with all the powers. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> right, it's, right, right. They have no other way to write the, the conflict. It's, it's rough here because it just feels so out of left field. And once again, like the fact that we go through that not once but twice within the film it's it's too jarring it's too it's very jarring yeah yeah the the end just fails at slapping it all together and trying to just resemble some sort of frankenstein's monster (laughs) of a superhero movie it is really bad with horror all of its own but seriously uh it might really be one of the most messy movies i've seen in 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 modern day just because it's just all over the place and just holds very little enjoyment. There's no enjoyment in the first third. There's no enjoyment in the second third. There's, there's, it keeps your eyes peeled. And there's definitely no enjoyment in the generic origin superhero nonsense that the third, uh, the third final act comes into. And we're going to go ahead and give Fantastic Four 2015 a 22. Ooh, a 22. <laughs> I love it. I love these scores. I, no, you get this is too much morbid enjoyment. <laughs> I don't like this. Uh, I had to sit through these. It's true. I know that's what I love about it. I didn't have to. I didn't have to. But at twenty two percent again, can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> can't say Fantastic yeah. Four twenty fifteen got a score of twenty two percent there yeah. on that one. Uh, okay, so with that, we have one more movie left. It is our brand new movie, the one that's now released in theaters. But before that, again, folks, we're just going to take our time here to remind people this is our donation segment, and this is where we want to thank the producers who make this happen. Uh, no producers this week, but you know we're still young. We're still starting out and everything like that. Uh, site's finally back up and running the way it should be. 
And again, folks, we don't want to list. We don't want to look at you as just listeners or an audience or anything like that. We want to look at you as producers. Where Vin and I sit here and we host the show every week. You all produce the show and mm-hmm. actually make it possible. You're actual real producers. And how you can become a producer is you go to the dailyratings.com. You go over to the donations tab, and through a monetary support of your choosing, you choose an amount of whatever you want. And and basically that's how you become a producer. Along with sending in a donation, you go ahead and send in a note. You give any amount of money. We'll read it here on the podcast. If you don't want your name to be said on the podcast, you just click the anonymous box. And what it is, it opens up a through line with you. It, it, it helps us keep going and not having to do advertisers here on mm-hmm. the on the website and the podcast. But it also opens up dialogue with you all. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Do you have suggestions? Especially with this early on, in the podcast and site, there's a lot of room and improvement, and who knows what direction we can go in. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, it's it's your show, really. You know, we're just putting it out there in the ether, but you guys listening, you guys producing is what really making it a thing. So and that's why we love the, the value for value model, because it really speaks to, is this viewing guide helping you? Yeah. Save time. It's, I mean, I don't know if you'd ever watch Catwoman, but, <laughs> <laughs> but now you know you don't have to. And like you just said, it's the value for value model. Are you getting value from this? Well, then could you show some value? What value is that? Put that toward, towards a monetary amount. Mm-hmm. Again, it's dailyratings.com. Head over to the donations tab. And we appreciate all of you who produce and or will produce this podcast and website. And we thank you for that. All right. So we're going to keep this going here with our big blockbuster movie. It's now in theaters. Then we have Morbius. <laughs> We've seen the trailers. If you, went, oh, if you yeah. went to the movies in the past five years, you probably saw the trailer for it multiple <laughs> times. What do we get with Morbius and Jared Leto? Uh, So, yes. uh, So, to start off, I need to stress, there is no meaningful connection to Spider-Man or the greater Marvel Universe. A lot of trickery is done by Sony to make you think this is uh, among the required watching that the MCU is famous for. I can stress, though, there is no meaningful connection. Oh, really? Sony is really scraping the barrel for... It's proof of uh, of having you know some C list comic book character like Morbius to have his own movie. You really, know, they're really stretching it. Wait, here. so this not count as in the Marvel Marvel Avengers universe? Uh, very technically, it's in the expanded Spider Man universe. Uh, it so which Spider Man is that? Uh, Tom Holland, basically. Oh, the Tom okay, Holland okay. Era. Oh, right, because yeah. he doesn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. It is. It is. It is in. You know, technically there. It is. I. I can stress though, especially from my recommendation, this is not among required watching, and really should not be worth your time too much because Morbius is is really C list. I wouldn't even put him in B list among Spider Man's rogue gallery. You know, what really, I mean? like yeah, Morbius is no one. <laughs> the fact he's getting his own movie is a joke. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, because they are scraping the barrel. They are looking for any Spider-Man property they can tie into Venom. And when they finally get that contract back, oh. guess what? Now they're going to have their own Spider-Man oh, that's, movie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, it's already talked about. They are going to come out with another with with more Spider-Man. Oh, for sure. It's for been floating sure. around with. But Tom Holland belonged to Marvel Universe one because he's in the Avengers, correct? Yes, yes. So now they're trying to rebranch and bring in Venom they're and tying Morbius. It all in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but uh, again, my point in, <laughs> in going through all this this almost useless nerd knowledge <laughs> is that again, Sony is is using a lot of trickery to make sure people are reading the Daily Bugle as their newspaper or or uh, yada yada. Yes, you know, yes, yes. It is not 
anything required. There is nothing of substance here. And if anything, it falls into just, again, more of these very generic uh, origin story comic book tropes. Oddly enough, I would say, despite jumping through the same hoops as one of those Marvel movies, this really is like an anti-Marvel film. Uh, very little jokes in this film, uh, at least not in the Sounds good. Marvel kitsch kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's 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 very understandable why we have a a very broad, very wide variance difference between cr- critic scores and audience scores on this. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I could see where people that are sick of Marvel, even though this is a Marvel property, I can understand some of the difference there uh, in, right. in, in people liking this movie and thinking it's just fine with that. So I was not uh, too hot on this, but uh, it's something to note because I think uh, anyone's perspective on these movies is, is important. Uh, Morbius stars Hot Shot Jared Leto, uh, not Leto. <laughs> I, 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 I look back to when, what was I reviewing with him? Uh, oh, House of Gucci, of course. Uh, and I kept on saying Lido, and it's oh, one of those things I, I got fixated on. <laughs> and I, I listened to that episode now, I don't like it. Uh, but Leto uh, is Sony's next uh, villain hero flick uh, with Morbius. Uh, Michael Morbius and his best friend Milo are afflicted by a, a debilitating disease. Uh, contrary to both of this, uh, they both live leading lives of wealth and fame. It is only when Morbius has a breakthrough in his in curing this this affliction this disease uh, that we see that friendship tested by temptation and what greater temptation is there than vampirism <laughs> <laughs> the temptation of blood uh, it is really I mean this film PG thirteen has ha- never has. <laughs> Has never had so little blood. Uh, oh, really? It is, it is unreal <laughs> that this movie is PG-13 and is a vampire <laughs> film. I went back and I've actually recently, uh, thankfully, have been able to just watch some movies not for uh, the, the podcast. It's right, been right. almost impossible, but I've finally gotten some things. I actually watched Blade 2. And oh, we got to put that on. Uh, <laughs> But I wanted to watch it just for, just for the sake of it, and it's like it's it's insane how this film is PG thirteen and has such little blood. Uh, this it's the same criticism I have with Venom and those series. These characters, these characters of Morbius, of Venom, these anti heroes, they are defined by violent actions. Why the hell would you not make this rated R? Uh, learn from Logan. Learn from Deadpool. You know, it, it is <sighs> unreal. I don't know. I... I you're, just you're I, a different. Well, no, I, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking practically as mm. far as trying to reach an audience. They're trying to siphon off your mainstream MCU. Yeah, true. It needs true. to be. It needs to be. I know. PG-13. But it sounds like they could have got away with a lot more and still be PG-13. I think so. Yeah. Uh, a, a classic thing. You'll you'll see like a strike of the throat or something like that. Right. And, and there's just no blood comes out. Also, a plot point in this is Michael Morbius has uh, made a medical breakthrough to have artificial blood. So a lot of the actual blood in this is just replaced with blue goo. Mm, okay. Um, which is kind of creative writing. Yeah, but, I th- I think I think regardless, you can't get away from the PG thirteen. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot better they could have done, even yeah. with the P- even with the PG thirteen. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Speaking of demographics, though, I mean the writing is pretty edgy here. Thirteen uh, year olds will love this, uh, okay. and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with a dark, edgy flavor, but it really does. 
invite in bad writing habits. Uh, pacing, I think, is a main fault here. Very messy in the first act. Uh, we're just racing through his relationships, his affliction, uh, trying to get to a point that he's interested in becoming a vampire. And it's just, it's just far too quick. It does hit a little bit of a stride in the second act. Uh, while... Morbius has his his powers. Um, there is a kind of a police investigation into him, and I think it does kind of hit a little bit of a stride. But once again, what is the theme of this week? Uh, the end or the final act in this has to fit into this same superhero origin story box that they yeah. have to fight off against someone, and there's got to be sequel bait. This is 100% here it's as It's exactly well. what it is. Yeah. Exactly. And I will it's say... It's set up. It's just set up. It's volleying the character yeah. for... for future <laughs> exactly uh i will say the the setup here as well is not too interesting i mean you can even look at like green lantern and like at least they're teasing mainline things to green lantern's universe when it comes to morbius the teases we get are towards the connecting of the Spider-Man universe, and mm. they come off extremely weak. Even as it's like a even comic sp- book fan, I, yeah. I cannot imagine people are excited over this. Oh, so. God, okay. But but that's really, you know, uh, when, it, when it comes into that pacing and when it comes into my critique of that edgy writing, if there is no follow-through on the darker themes of this film or the... The, the subject matter that our anti-hero is a literal vampire. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. If it's just going to boil down to the same type of superhero ending that you've literally seen the, your entire life, then what what is the point here, you know? I, it's all been there, done that. I would say when it comes to something that kind of breaks the mold is a little bit of the best friend uh, being the focus. Matt Smith is pretty solid and entertaining here as Milo, uh, as as his best friend. Ultimately, it's half praise, though, because this movie has a very dumb love interest, which, once again, has course, been a theme this course. entire episode. Uh, and it really just crowds the space. Uh, I would have loved for there to be no love interest, and we just focus solely on this friendship being strained uh, between Matt Smith and Jared Leto. Um, it, 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 once again, that sweet spot that it hits, it's primarily in that second act as well, uh, but the movie just fails to understand what's working uh, halfway through of it and has to check the boxes, which is... It's so annoying. Yeah, and it's, the, it the annoying box, really is the word. Yeah, because, again, it's it's... If you want to take it all the way back to 22 years ago with with Tobey Maguire's sure. first Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but let's just start with the whole big Marvel push, which was 2018. You know, we're we're 2008. We're approaching 15 years mm-hmm. of the same type of movie being made. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to introduce now a new anti-hero, it's just like, can we break the mold a little bit? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And maybe that ties into what I'm saying with Rated R. I mean, if this was a full-on yeah, I mean, Rated R movie, you know, maybe there'd but, be some shocks to it. Maybe sure. you could do something creative for once, you know? Uh, yeah, I, th- I still think you can do a lot with PG-13. Look what Nolan, look how Nolan took the Batman. Oh, uh, true. In, a 2003, true. In, in, in PG-13. Yeah. And how he took that. And, and That's re- a good point. You know, and there has been... Like you said, you have had some breakthroughs with the rated R for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. but boy, I, it's just like 
there's a mold there, and it's just like, just shake it a bit. Just shake <laughs> yeah. it a bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, like I said, as far as the, the writing in this film, not very jokey at all. And I would say that could be refreshing for a certain audience that is uh, sick to their stomach over the typical Marvel kitsch. And, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's <laughs> absolutely, a yeah. note for you, Tom, <laughs> specifically. Don't get me wrong. I think the handful of jokes uh, uh, that are actually in here are very cringy. Of course, the famous one was shown in the trailer that I had to probably see double-digit times uh, <laughs> without much movies. I'm watching uh, that ties into a in-universe joke with Venom, uh, so it's it also feels gross because they're manipulating the the greater MCU that yeah, it has to yeah. tie together. It's it's at least not chock full of jokes in the Marvel way, which again I think illustrates the difference in audience and critic score. And for folks at home, I think this could potentially be refreshing for you. It was not for me, but it could be refreshing for you. Visuals, uh, uh, again, a little bit of a pro and con. I would say the vampiric speed uh, isn't that that Morbius has isn't bad CGI, but it becomes a mess in combat uh, to call back to a different superhero movie. I'll call this Man of Steel Syndrome, where it's just a mesh of clashing CGI, and it's, oh, yeah. there's really no visual mm. language on screen. Yeah. Uh, distinctly different than like a Catwoman where there's no logic <laughs> in the fight. Uh, there is logic here. It just looks bad. It's messy. Uh, exactly. Okay. I would say a plus is, uh, you know, when it comes to a little bit of Morbius's echolocation, uh, it's got a pretty cool look to it. There is a um, interesting way that it kind of really coats every inch of the surface hmm. uh, of surfaces around him and kind of pulses into kind of a digital dust. Uh, it looks pretty good. I would say I would say that was a highlight for me and I, I was I was glad that his echolocation was given a, a lot of spotlight as far as his superhero power. Unfortunately, one more bad as far as CGI goes is much like Venom, in scenes where the full transformation and the full CGI aren't used, uh, they use a very Snapchat quality face filter to throw on, you know, a quick flash into his powers or something like that. I, you know, I'm not saying that the the technology isn't impressive, but it comes off amateurish yeah, and I yeah. think can be spotted a mile away, especially when there are. It, it, there, there's an intense transformation when he really gets into his powers, these half powers where they just kind of flash a Snapchat filter on his face. It just looks bad. And it was the same thing that I saw with Venom. You know what I mean? Okay, it just looks, sure. looks amateurish. But uh, as you can tell, though, with my criticism, everything good about this has speckles of good, uh, but also very much special speckles of bad. I think where it falls into the latter half uh, of uh, of where I would put most of these films, which is on the, the lower half, I should <laughs> That's say, <for> sure. <laughs> uh, of, the <laughs> of these films this week. I, I'm, I'm almost in disbelief of just like <laughs> the films we talked about on the podcast. Uh, there is... The, the the generic package it's wrapped up in is not enough to save it. And more than anything, I think... That this film could be could be refreshing for some. It was not refreshing for me, and especially when it comes into how generic it comes off and the potential of what it could be. I, I really, I really do feel that it fits right in with the movies we covered this week as a weak imitator 
a superhero movie light. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. watered down <laughs> and it is a copycat. And that really is the defining feature of really every film we covered this week that the copycats uh, may have a critical misunderstanding of what actually worked in the first place with what they're trying to mimic. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give Morbius a 37. Ooh, wow, in the 30s. That's mm-hmm. actually higher than I thought you were going to give it. Really? Yeah. Okay. It was. Like I said, there, there's refreshing aspects. Uh, again, I wasn't expecting to praise the CGI, but uh, yeah, 37 there, is still bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh, but you just, but it's not just, a seven. It's just funny that the 37 <laughs> is the second best here of today. Boy, no, the okay, 50 is the best. 30, yeah, 37 <laughs> percent for Morbius then, Vin. Okay, is there anything else you would like to add on this bad superhero week, Ooh. or are we rolling credits here? Oh, we are rolling credits. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> getting get the hell ex- out of here, exhausted folks. Exhausted as they as they come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, Vin. Well, we thank you so much for watching these films. If it was a little bit more painful for you, we apologize, but we always appreciate you stopping by, Vin. And for folks at home, we're just going to run through this just one more time. We have Catwoman with a seven percent, Ghost Rider with a fifty percent. Green Lantern with an 18, Fantastic Four, that 2015 version with a 22, and Morbius with a 37%. We thank you so much, folks, for being here with us, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating. Or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.